The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the shrimp and grits of gaming podcasts. For a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network, I am one of your hosts, Kyle. And joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who provides the flair to my cheesy base. Josh, how are you doing this week? Does that make me the shrimp? Yeah, it makes you the shrimp, man. Shrimp flare? <laughs> well, you know, okay. have you ever had shrimp and grits? No, I haven't had grits. Okay. I've had shrimp. Well, right, but usually <laughs> in shrimp and grits, you have shrimp, and there's usually bacon in it and all this other deliciousness. Mm. So you kind of, you know, cheesy grits are great, but, you know, the shrimp and the bacon add the, like, the extra flair to the dish to make it really something okay. special. That's interesting. Well, <laughs> add it to my things I need to try list. Uh, I'm How am I doing? I'm doing okay. It's been a trying week in the Borboni household. Uh, the wife is sick uh, with a cough that one could argue is incredibly annoying, but I know she can't do anything about it, so I can't really complain about it. <laughs> um, and I had it two weeks previous, so uh, I'm sure she sh- she shivered, she suffered. <laughs> uh, the baby has developed hand, foot, and mouth, which is incredibly interesting to deal with. And for people who weren't keeping up with my cat saga, our cat, which we got a few months ago, was not eating. So we had a a feeding tube was surgically implanted in her. And we had been feeding her through syringe via feeding tube. And the day, the night, uh, the night before Sunday night, my son didn't sleep all night. He was up from 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. So I had to deal with that. And then... The next night, we finally get him down, and we notice the cat scratched her tube out of her neck. Oh, jeez. And it's a little too late to have anything done about that. Luckily, my wife works at the animal institution known as Tufts, but there was gauze to stop the blood. <laughs> she was purring. She was fine. She was just chilling. And then she texts one of the people she works with, and her note was, push it back in. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you can do this job. I can't. I was like, I'm getting nauseous looking at this right now. So the cat's back from the from from the animal hospital today. She's back to, I wouldn't say normal, because she still has a feeding tube in her neck, but, the, but it's all fixed. Uh, so it's been an interesting, so we'll say... 48 hours ish all right so yeah how are you doing (laughs) you know i'm doing okay obviously we you know we had a special early episode that we recorded Mm -hmm. early for last week because i was uh traveling for work i was in texas first time i'd ever been in texas i was down in san antonio walked around the river walk ate some food it was pretty great i had i think the best sandwich i've had in my entire life while i was there so that was good wow um, I also had the best coleslaw I've ever had in my entire life while I was there. So, you know, have those to chalk up to being great. Uh, the conference I was at for work was really good. So that was also very excellent. 
However, I got super sick while I was there. So then I got to fly home with a whole bunch of congestion in my head, which if you've ever flown when you're congested is horrible. Like I felt like my head was going to explode. Uh, and so that wasn't any fun. And then I got home and then I was sick all weekend. But then I had to go back to work on Monday, even though I was still sick because I just, you know, I'd been traveling for work, but all of the work I was supposed to do typically at work was just piling up for me. So I really had to go to work on Monday. <laughs> So I kind of quarantined myself in my office and just did all my work to catch up on. But I feel like I've finally turned the corner. So I will try to mute myself if I cough a lot, which will probably happen <laughs> throughout this podcast. And, you know, it's a little bit better because, you know, I can, for the most part, take care of myself. Uh, you know, so I'm sure it's much more difficult than trying to take care of, you know, your son who has hand, foot, mouth, which I don't have kids. But from everything I've heard is pretty horrendous. And I gotta imagine that's a pretty helpless feeling to be like, hi, small dude, you don't feel great. And there's not much I can do about it. I'm really sorry. Yeah, it's the worst. It is so, uh, pretty terrible. <laughs> but you know, we're getting to the holiday season. We're excited because we have lots of games to talk about. So rather than talking about all the sickness, let's talk about some fun game stuff. Does that sound good? That sounds excellent. Awesome. So, hey, thanks for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at BoardWithVG on Twitter, or check out all the wonderful things Josh posts over on Instagram, also BoardWithVG. You can find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash BoardWithVG, so feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. And if you want to communicate a little more long-form, use the email BoardWithVG at gmail.com. That might become very important later in the episode if you want to win a prize. So make sure you have either written down, you know, or have in your memory, boardwithvg at gmail.com. Also, use the hashtag boardwithvg on all the social media so we can find out what you're playing, keep track of all the cool things that you're doing. And that's pretty awesome because we try to use that as well. And finally, remember, Board with Video Games is now its own podcast feed, in addition to being on the PSVG feed. So if you want to find us individually, just find Board with Video Games on the podcast service of your choice. If you're using a podcast service and you want to give us a five-star rating over there, we would really appreciate it because we work pretty hard, despite what the product might sound like. We work pretty hard to make this podcast happen each week, and we really appreciate you coming along for the ride with us. So we would love for you to give us a rating on the podcast service of your choice. You may notice no plugs for Make Us Better this week. Uh there's been some decisions made by those who run Make Us Better that they're kind of sunsetting that organization. So we're just back to PSVG. Back to the old shooting match. And if you want to join the PSVG Discord, we'd love to chat with you over there as well. Check out PSVG's pinned tweet or just hit us up and we can get you over to the Discord. We have our little own little channel over there where we talk a lot of board games and we'd love for you to join us. So enough of all of that wonderful housekeeping. Josh, why don't you talk to us about what you've been playing on your tabletop? Well, uh, actually, it's not super exciting because with everyone being sick and out of commission for the past... Two weeks, technically. Um, I really only got Century Column Edition to the table on Sunday night uh, at a gaming uh, get-together. Uh, with uh, We were supposed to play Fresco, which is a game I've never played, um, but I've heard good things about. Um, but that night, my buddy didn't read the instructions like he said he was, so we, didn't, we had limited time. So we played... Uh, we introduced someone to Century Column Edition who hadn't played Century before. Uh, we also got in another round of um, code names to try to uh, 
to redeem ourselves and we ended up with a spy both rounds. So we are terrible. We need to be different partners. Um, but yeah, I mean, Century Golem Edition, you know, that's a game I talk about a lot. It's just a game that uh, I still really enjoy. It's such an easy recommendation and it's it's affordable priced game. It will definitely make my Wink uh, holiday list of things to get. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't have too much to talk to you guys about, so I'm putting it all on you, Kyle. Well, that seems like a lot to put on me, but I will do my best <laughs> to kind of guide us through this. So, um, as you alluded to, though, um, and as Kevin talked about or asked us on Twitter, uh, yes, we'll be doing a holiday, I don't want to say buying guide, but suggestion guide, maybe. We'll go with that in the next week or two here. So if you're thinking about potentially jumping into board games, looking at giving board games for a gift, that is something we'll be covering some recommendations, some options for you, some brand new for 2018, some games that are maybe a little more evergreen, uh, but just some things that you can jump in on. We did one last year a little bit as well. It'll be a little more refined, a little different than the one we did last year. There might be a few things that overlap, but a brand new shopping guide for you coming in the next week or two. So for me, a couple of games that I want to talk about from a board game perspective. Number one is a game that, like Josh was talking about, a game that I've mentioned before, but I want to go a little more in depth about it because I played it quite a bit more. Josh, I have to ask you a question, sir. Has there ever been a board game? Yeah, has there ever been a board game that you've played that you really enjoy, but you're really, really bad at? Yeah, every board game I've ever played. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we'll look at this from a different perspective. Has there ever been a cooperative board game that you've really enjoyed, but you've been really, really bad at? I can't say um, cooperative. off the top of my head. There's probably a cooperative game I've played that I'm not great at, but most of the games that I can really narrow down that I'm good at are competitive games. And I think it's for the obvious reasons. Right. (laughs) Where people are beating beating you. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. That's my answer. Uh, For some reason, my wife and I are terrible at that game. Yeah. Do you play just... When you play Harry Potter, do you play as two characters or four? We play as one character each. One character each? Okay. Oh, yeah. Two characters. Gotcha. So, you know, I enjoy cooperative games because I feel, you know, I've always thought that it's nice to be in things together, whether you're doing really well or really poorly. It's nice to be in them together. Most cooperative games that I've ever played, most of the time go pretty well. There are some exceptions. Robinson Crusoe is very challenging. That one doesn't always go the way I'd like it to when we play it. However... I don't think I've ever played a more difficult cooperative game than Rescue Polar Bears Data and Temperature. My lord, is this game hard. I think it's been played six times now, and I don't think we, we've, we haven't won yet. Wow. We're 0 for 6. How long does the game go? Not very long. Half hour, probably okay. 40 minutes. You know, it's not super long. Now, we've only played it two players. We've had the discussion of... Would it be better if we each took, because it's a two to five player game, would it be better if we played it where we each were kind of controlling two characters or two ships in the case of Rescue Polar Bears Data and Temperature? Um, and we might try that because let me tell you, with two players, this game is very challenging. And I've talked about this game in the past. It was a game that was kickstarted not long ago. Originally, it was printed only in, um, I think, Ch- Japan originally. This is the U.S. version of the game now. And you're rescuing polar bears. That's the whole point of the game is you're supposed to try to collect data to try to offset and, you know, to get enough information to try to convince people about the problems of global warming. So this game definitely has a political slant in in a way it feels about things. But in the meantime, you're trying to rescue polar bears. 
if a polar bear, if a if a piece of ice melts, the polar bears have to flee to other icebergs. And if there's no icebergs for them to flee to, or those icebergs are flow full, the bears go in the water. You have six helicopters that can come rescue the bears, but it takes one helicopter to rescue one bear. And once the helicopter's been used, it's over. And once you've used all six of your helicopters, if another bear drowns or goes in the water, you just lose. Or oh. if the temperature gets too warm, you just lose. Or oh, we all lose. <laughs> or we all lose. I will tell you, we have tried this game with, uh, you know, six different combinations of ships, different orders of upgrading things, different ways of approaching. Do you just try to get, because if you win by getting 15 in a two-player game, 15 um, data points, and they're which when you collect a data point, you flip over a new card and it shows you where on the grid randomly the next data point is. And you have to get your ship over there to collect the data points, all while trying also to like pick up polar bears and potentially having to break icebergs to lower the water temperature. But then that reduces the number of icebergs that the bears can be on. And it's a very complicated process. We have yet to figure out what the secret sauce to this game is. We tried to mainline, just get as many data things as you can. Maybe you're going to lose some polar bears along the way, but instead of trying to save and mitigate that, just go for all the data things right away. Nope, temperature got too hot. We lost. We tried to save as many polar bears as we could, but then we kind of ended up just falling further behind and further behind and further behind, and we were just never getting anywhere as far as getting the data temperature things went, and eventually we just ran out of icebergs because every turn, basically every iceberg is numbered, and if the temperature at the end of your turn is above the number of the iceberg, that iceberg melts, and then the bears have to flee to different icebergs. And like I, I tell you, for a game that has a very clear message about what it wants you, what it wants to do, and the fact that you're trying to save polar bears and the, the little figurines are very cute, gosh, is it difficult? And gosh, have we killed a lot of polar bears? <laughs> a lot of polar bears have drowned. It's really sad. And I really like the game, though. Is the thing I really enjoy it. I think the design is smart. I think the mechanisms are cool. I think the variable powers of all the ships are awesome. Like. How the game interacts, I think, is really neat. Like, everything about the game, for the most part, I like, other than the fact that I really suck at it. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to do. And this isn't a game that is like, seems hard just to be hard. Like, it seems yeah. like it's designed well. Like, the, there's nothing in it that's just overly punishing. There's nothing that you could point at and say, like, that's too difficult. But when you put it all together, man, is it difficult. It, it sounds... I mean, just remember, you aren't killing polar bears. We, as the human race, That's are true. killing polar bears. That's true. We are killing polar bears. <laughs> so don't, don't put it all on yourself. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So rescue polar bears, data and temperature. I recommend the game. Um, the age on the game, I don't remember what they say. I think they say like eight or ten and up. But let me tell you, it's tough. So if you have especially kids who aren't super great about winning or about losing, or you know, adults who aren't super great about losing games all the time, might <laughs> not be the best game for you to pick for your game group. Again, really great game, solid design. I, I enjoy playing it, but goodness, am I bad at it? And I really it has solidified my desire to win once, but after I win, I don't know if I'll play it again. <laughs> because I'll be like, I got my win. I'm ending on a high note. I'm going to take my win and go home. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So that's Rescue Polar Bears Day and Temperature. Again, a really awesome game, um, but it's really, really hard. The other game I want to talk about tonight is a game that is not really, really hard, and it's kind of the exact opposite. And it's the game that we played 
after playing Rescue Polar Bears because I was like, I just need something that I can feel good about myself playing. <laughs> and that is the game Sushi Go. Um, if you're not familiar with Sushi Go, Sushi Go is a card game. Uh, I think maybe, oh man, who publishes it in the U.S.? Eventually, maybe? I can't remember, but somebody in the U.S. publishes this game. Um, game right. Oh, game right. Thank you. It is game right in the U.S. So, uh, game right game. It comes with a little pin. It's just a deck of cards. And Sushi Go um, is basically a, as you can hear, the cards of the Sound thing effects. right there. <laughs> it's a card drafting hand management second collection game where basically in a two-player game, each player gets 10 cards. And then what you do is you select one card that you put face down. The other player does as well. And at the same time, you reveal those cards. And then you pass your hand to the other person. They pass their hand to you. You do the same thing, and you just keep kind of going through and doing that. What you're doing, though, is as you're doing that, the cards that you're taking are going to get you points at the end of the round. So certain cards are going to be like, oh, if you have one of these, you get one point. If you have two of them, you get three points. If you have three of them, you get five points. Some of them, like if you get two temporas, you get five. But if you have one, you get none. Um, if you have, I think it's sashimis, if you have three, you get 10 points. So it's trying to figure out, okay, what card? I'm going to draft one card each turn. I have basically complete information in a two-player game after the second turn. In a four-player game or a three-player game, obviously a couple more turns. But you have complete information, so you know what everyone else is looking at. So then it kind of becomes the mind game of, like, what cards am I going to take? What angle am I going to try to go to? And you just go through in a two-player game, like I said, the 10 cards. After the 10 cards, you score the first round deal out 10 more cards, and you kind of start the whole process over again. Anything you had before doesn't really matter. A couple exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, nothing you had before matters. Um, and you just go through, play three rounds of that, and you're done. Highest score wins. I think it's a really cool and interesting game because, number one, there's enough variation in what you're doing that it kind of keeps the game interesting. There's a card called Chopsticks, which allows you to draw that you play in front of you, and you can then later draw two cards instead of one, and you put the Chopsticks back in the deck. There's some cards that um, make other cards worth more points. There are cards that get added only at the very, very end. There's a lot of different ways that you can approach how you want to get points. And there are ways that, you know, you can try to anticipate what the other person is going to do or try to fake out the other people about what route you're trying to go, what cards you're going to try to get. Um, and make some of those decisions, you know, early on. And I just, I really like the game. It's really simple. It's very light. It's a very quick game to teach. I think it, you can probably teach the game in less than five minutes. And, you know, after that, you, you kind of have a game that you can always just sit down and play. Fits really easily in a bag. It's something you can take with you. If you're looking for an easy game to play on a lunch break at work that you want to teach coworkers quick, it fits that style. If you want to play with your parents, it fits there. If you want to play with your grandparents, it fits there. It's just a really versatile game. It's pretty light. It's going to work for a wide variety of people. I just think it's a game that's really easy to add to the collection. Josh, obviously you have the game as you shook it around mm. for the sound effects. What are your thoughts on Sushi Go? <laughs> Good, sir? I, you know, while you're talking about it, it just keeps reminding me how much um, I want to get Sushi Go Party because I've heard so many good things about it as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, everything you said about Sushi Go, I 100% agree with. It's like not it's like the perfect travel game because it's so easy to teach and it does feel different like every time you play it. Um, I have brought it uh, to a um, like bar trivia a couple times. Like we get there, we would get there a little earlier before trivia started. So you know we'd sit at the bar and play some sushi go 
Um, yeah, and, and its theme, the theme is great because it works for any age group. So you're not strictly limited to like, like, like when we go to PAX, it would be a great game to have in the bag because if we're sitting down next to a family or younger or older people, it's something you can just kind of get everyone involved in, which uh, I think is a great appeal to it. And it, it's so, it's approachable where you always feel like you're doing something every turn. It's not uh, waiting to hope you can do something. You're always involved in a turn. So I like that aspect of it as well. Yeah. And I think Sushi Go Party is probably, you know, a really good place for people to look. I think, you know, it adds some a little more complexity and variety to the game, and it also add, increases the player base. Obviously, party because um, I think Sushi Go Party goes like up to eight. Oh, nice. um, but I think I think it's a game that still plays best in that you know four-ish range. You know, yeah. but plays fine with two. Um, but like I said, if you go if you're looking at getting into it, I think Sushi Go Party might be you know the more common recommendation these days. Um, but either one I think is is great, and if you're going to be looking for those higher player accounts, Sushi Go Party probably is going to be a little bit better of a fit. So. Yeah, that's Sushi Go. You can find that game just about everywhere. I, I don't know if it's at Target, but it's it definitely is. a bar- it's at okay. Target. I figured it was because it's definitely like Barnes and Noble and things like that. So one of those little broader um, appeal uh, are easier to find of the of a more hobby style board game. So that is Sushi Go, and that kind of wraps up what I've been playing on my tabletop. Other than I am patiently waiting, and this actually, this was really interesting because I had written the show notes and said them to Josh, and then we got our first question um, from Paul Calico, which we'll talk about later, but he asked if we had any updates on Fireball Island, and I had already written in the show notes that I was still waiting for my shipping notification about Fireball Island, (laughs) trying to be very patient. I did get an update, I think yesterday, maybe. I think they've shipped out the first 2,000 of like the 16,000 they're shipping out in the United States. So Yeah, a lot of people are posting pictures of their theirs arriving in the mail. I know, and I haven't gotten my shipping notification yet. Though I will <laughs> say, <a> <laughs> I know, I mean, have you gotten your shipping notification? I didn't get it. Oh, you didn't get the game? I had to back out. Oh, story no. of, story uh, of my life with all these Kickstarters I want, <laughs> but I just financially didn't work out at the time. Did you keep? Um, did you stick through title plates? I did. That was okay. it, was, it was. I had that was. I had to move some things around to make sure I stuck with the, yeah. the deluxe edition. That that was a probably five hours before the Kickstarter ended. I jumped in on title blades. So nice. Um, but yeah, no, I haven't even got my shipping notification for for Fireball Island yet. But one time recently, I think it was maybe for this War of Mine, the little ones, when I backed that one on Kickstarter. I got the shipping notification the day the game arrived. Oh, so like they sent out the shipping notification being like, hey, your game is shipped out. And I came home and it was literally sitting on my doorstep. <laughs> so I'm just hoping that that's the way it's going to work for Fireball Island. I don't anticipate that. But hopefully soon, they did say that, <laughs> excuse me, that games should arrive before the end of the month still, even with the volume that they have to ship out. So maybe nice. it'll be a nice Thanksgiving treat. So with that... Josh, sir, what have you been playing on your television? Well, we have been playing uh, very similar, uh, if not the same exact games. So I'll start with, um, I 100%ed the Spider-Man DLC, Black Cat. Me too, me too. And uh, yeah, it was really good. They added a difficult new henchman type with a Gatling gun who... When they start throwing three or four of them at you in a combat fight, it's very difficult because they're only vulnerable at a certain uh, 
moment. And when you're fighting out 15 other henchmen who have rockets and tasers and batons, it's hard to kind of to to get these guys taken care of. And they will take you out in two shots. Yeah, they're they're rough. <laughs> uh, since you have finished it as well, as, rather than us going back and forth, what did you think of the story? I think the story was not as strong as um, the main game, but I mean, it is just DLC. I think the problem I had with it is they laid so much foundation for the story in the game that I, I don't think that I got the payoff I was expecting. And they make Felicia, if you will, share a lot of time with other, um, whether it be bad guys or characters. She doesn't get, I don't think, the full DLC she deserves as a character. Um, okay. not, not saying she's not going to be back or is, but from what I got, I think... I was itching for a little bit more Black Cat, and that's I think that's purely coming from my comic book background. Okay. I was going to say, because as someone who's not super into the comic books, uh, I really liked the story in the DLC. I thought it was really good. I thought it was an interesting take. I thought it was exploring things that are rarely explored in video games. Yes. Uh, and I, I thought it was really, overall, very well done. I actually, when it ended, I was like, oh gosh, because I... I knew that all the DLCs were part of like, hey, it's like the city that never sleeps, like this this, this overall umbrella. But I didn't know if they were going to connect necessarily or if they were going to be like, you know, three loosely connected things. But right. now, clearly with how the first one ends and how the now trailer yeah. for the second one, they're very clearly connected. And I was, because when it ended, I was like, what's next? I want yeah. to know what's next. So I was really engaged with the story. I thought it was for a DLC very solid for a story. Yeah, I mean, I I liked the story. I think, uh, and I think I cut out on you, didn't I? You did cut out on me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of course I did. Welcome to board with the video games. Uh, <laughs> and um, I I think I just had higher expectations. Um, I did. I, I like the story a lot. Um, I really like that character so much. And yeah, they did. They did give you some of her backstory, and you know, you learn a little bit more about her and Peter and what they were like, and how does Mary Jane fit in in that. So I thought everything was done very well. Um, so now that I know, it's not a spoiler to say that, you, like you said, it, these three tie together. So if I kind of try to view it as one whole story, maybe I'll feel like it lands what I was looking for. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to find out that it's only seven days away until the next DLC. I thought we were had, I thought I was waiting until February or something. Nope, November and the last one's December. Yeah. This is awesome. So I'm excited to get into it next week and and uh, continue the story. Uh, what else? Let's see. What should I talk about here? Uh, I did play some more Red Dead Redemption. I will say I'm still high on the game. I didn't play too much more. Um, I did have a friend from California who texted me saying that the game has literally changed his life, <laughs> but he wouldn't go into details because he didn't want to spoil the game for me. Um, so I can't wait to hear about that. I'll make sure I report <laughs> what it is. It's life-changing. Um, but I will share a story that is more in line with um, what people are sharing their frustrations with the game. I wasn't frustrated. I kind of laughed at this situation, but um, there's a scene early in the game where you're in town. I, will, I won't spoil anything, um, but someone recognizes you from Blackwater, which is the story you hear about. And... I do that uh, scene and then it takes you away from town. I end up coming back to town and I start wandering around and I get on this horse, but it isn't mine. That's not important. But I've been playing Forza so much 
that I'm on my horse and I press the right trigger to drive my horse, <laughs> which that's not how you drive a horse. Who did you you're shoot? Just holding, you're just holding up. And right trigger is shoot. So I literally, because of auto aim, it just shot some guy hanging on a banister outside the sheriff's like building. And I immediately became a wanted man and I immediately shut the game off, <laughs> hoping that didn't save. <laughs> <laughs> Did it save? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't booted it back up. I don't have the courage to boot it back up yet. Um, but I totally get where people are coming from. Um, but I'm early in the game. People who are still having control issues, 10, 20, 30 hours into the game, that's on you. Uh, but I, I understand at the beginning. Um, and I'm mostly joking, but like a game, they're expected to learn the controls, and I obviously failed at that in that moment. And a lot of times when you have to think on the fly, you your muscle memory might make you think of other games. Um, right. but even GTA, I still had some, some of the same issues where it's just a rock star con- control scheme. Like that's how they they configure their games. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about Red Dead and I played it too, we'll yeah, talk about it together. <laughs> I think the one thing about Red Dead, and I think... The problem I run into with the game is that because the it's so I don't want to say simmy because I, I think the sim simulation parts are pretty not as daunting as I thought they were going to be or as if people made them seem out like they're going to be with the eating and everything else. But there's a there there's enough complexity in the controls that the same buttons do the same like do a lot of different different things. things yeah. So you might mean to not to like cancel something and you end up punching someone like you know i think that's my concern is that it's not necessarily that you're not doing or hitting the right buttons it's that the same button does so many different things that because you're you might be looking just slightly off of where you think you are or where you want to be suddenly you do something you never intended to do and i think that's more of my issue with the controls than it is the complexity of the controls it's just that man those same buttons do so many different things that you're probably inadvertently going to do something and because it could make you want it and it's going to cost you money and it's going to do all these other things that negatively impact you in the gameplay um or in the in the course of the game that to me is the part that i don't like yeah no and and i think if i experience it more like i've been hearing people experience it um that's something that does worry me because i'll stop playing it if i can't if I get so frustrated because of stuff, and I definitely see that happening, and that's what I'm really worried about. Because think- everything you do in the game is deliberate. So if you spend an hour trying to do something, and then you end up, and then a, a simple button press ruins your like the taste in your mouth that that end. Like when people don't like the end of a movie, you take that whole journey. Mm-hmm. So like if I do a mission and all of a sudden I punch the guy in accident and it ruins. That that will take me right out of the game. Yeah. So I'm worried about that. I think there was there was one thing for me that I, I didn't know what to do, and that was for me. It was like I oh shoot, I was in ta- in a town, and I got confronted by members of a rival gang, and they started shooting at me, and I didn't know what to do because I hadn't done anything, I hadn't stolen a ho- or anything else. They were just like, hey, you, Bob, and you know, and they started shooting at me. Well, I was afraid that if I shot them, I would become wanted. So all I did was run away because I was like, (laughs) I don't know what else to do in this scenario. That's not going to make me be wanted. So I just started running away because I didn't know what else to do. Because I've been trying to play the game as like a Robin Hood style character where I steal from the rich to give to the poor. And I think maybe I just need to be a jerk. 
I think if I just yeah. don't care and I'm just a jerk, then I think the game will be way, way, I, maybe even more fun. Like, I think I won't worry about these things as much. So maybe I'm just playing the game wrong. I don't know. I wonder, do you, uh, in a situation like that, do you think if you went into a building and shot at them through a window, you'd become wanted? I don't know. Because I know, I, like, I stabbed a guy in a, in a um, hotel, motel uh-huh. room, and no one found him, and I was never wanted. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should do that. Well, because I was like, well, maybe if I pull up my mask really quick in the middle of time, like, now it'll be fine. <laughs> I didn't do that, but that's the first thing that went through my head. But anyway. I'm curious. Will... I'm curious to try something like that. Yeah. So I will continue to play Red Dead. It just is definitely something that I have to be in the mood for to play. Sure. That makes sense. I, I definitely feel that. Um, a game that I'm surprised that I feel that way about, but I do also, is I played some more Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I'm finding that I'm not I'm not uh, having that emotion or that need that makes me want to play it more. Um, I think that it will come back. I just I, maybe I just might not be in the mood for. Um, a game with that much commitment, just like Red Dead. I think I'm more in right now. I'm in the instant gratification uh, section of video gaming. Um, so I played it a bit more. Um, I'm I'm playing as Cassandra, so I did some more of her story. Uh, I, I'm still enjoying it, but I'm like playing through it, and I don't know. I'm not feeling it yet. But the game is beautiful. I still enjoy the combat. I, I think it killed. I, I was I, I became wanted. <laughs> I thought I was continuing my quest and it turns out that the guy who was hunting me down was in front of me. And I thought it was part the, I thought he was the guy that was part of my mission. So I tried <laughs> killing him. I tried killing the guy to find out that he was, I want to say five levels higher than me. And I was I doing no damage to him. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. So couple, I was like, two, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, um, yeah, so I stopped that, um, played a little bit more Call of Duty, not too much. I spent a bunch of time with Destiny 2, which I've kind of been getting back in the groove on. Um, so I just have been enjoying my time with that uh, for what it is. And what can I say? Diablo 3 came out on the Switch, right? And it's this game that, you know, I already have three level 70 characters for. I've two level like 60 characters and paragon level 35 i played the crap out of this game eight six seven eight years ago whenever it came out (laughs) um so like i was fighting this fomo getting diablo 3 on the switch because i really wanted to get it just so i could play with all my friends and my hero lucas rose of flex depose fame came in and saying you know i have this game on pc and and i've been dying to play it I don't really, I don't have the money to buy it on Switch. And I was like, Lucas, I'll play this game with you. <laughs> so Lucas and I have been playing a lot of Diablo 3 on the Switch, on the Switch, on the PC. And man, does it fly by. T- time playing Diablo is, so we started new characters. He didn't have the Reaper of Souls expansion, but he wanted to play as a Crusader. So I felt bad, but I never played as a wizard. I created a wizard. He played as a barbarian. We played one night, two nights. We played two nights, and we got uh, our characters to level 30, and we completed Act 1. Uh, we had to up the difficulty because we had, it was too easy. Uh, so we upped it to hard, and they don't let you change it to hard until after you've played it 
through. Oh, okay. um, both characters have, and he hasn't. They also created seasonal characters, which is new to me. They added a lot to Diablo 3 since I stopped. But we had a conversation and about about the game, and we couldn't do rifts. We couldn't do adventure mode because that's all part of Reaper of Souls expansion. So on Saturday, I gifted him the Reaper of Souls expansion so he could play as a Crusader. And then I bought myself the Necromancer DLC. So I was like, I'll try another new character. So I started a Necromancer. Lucas started a Crusader. We started more seasonal characters, and immediately the game is different because Adventure Mode throws in challenges on the maps. Like, you find glowing chests, and it adds, like, challenges to the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Saturday night, we sat down at 8 o'clock, and we stopped at 1 (laughs) a.m. at level 30 characters at finishing Act 1. So we're right back where we started. And um, I'm having a ball. Man, do I miss Diablo. And this game, they streamline this game like crazy. Uh, it, you feel so powerful as you're progressing with your character. Um, and they make level ups so common. And I say this because the game really opens up after you beat the game, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because you can then unlock the nightmare level difficulties you unlock rifts which you can just go into and basically hunt for legendary gear Uh, a lot of these things open up to you after you complete the game so i feel like it's nice that we are able to progress through a whole act in us in a game sitting knowing we're getting closer to what people know as new game plus which i just call end game because (laughs) diablo doesn't have end game um it's just another phase in the game uh, or act four if you will um but i'm really loving our time with it it's great to be able to play with lucas you know we don't have voice chat we're just typing in party chat and our funny jokes and uh, all these things that are happening while we're playing um so yeah if you get if you have diablo 3 on pc um find me on, on blizznet at joshbone715 we can play if you don't get it on the switch get it on playstation get it on xbox it's such a great game uh if you have friends to play it with and, and by itself but it's a lot more fun playing together i think so it's interesting because i started playing diablo 3 on switch uh, i have it on playstation but i was in texas and i was like I, I want something to play on my switch and like nothing was i was looking at all the games in my library and just nothing was calling to me really so i said you know what we'll go ahead we'll do- download diablo 3 we'll see how this goes and maybe i'm i'm only playing on normal because you know i'm not good and i'm playing by myself and i don't know or understand diablo like i i played diablo 3 on playstation for a few hours but i've never really played diablo much before so I'm just playing on normal i'm Finished Act 1, I'm in somewhere in Act 2. Definitely not level 30. I think I'm like 25 or something like that. And I'm guessing maybe it's because I'm on normal difficulty. I don't know. Um, But I'm having a lot of fun. This is the most time I've used my Switch in a long time. And I'll be honest, it makes me want to get it on PC so I can play with you guys. (laughs) You should. (laughs) You can get it for like 40 bucks, like the whole thing. I know you just paid $60 for it. (laughs) I know, right? So I'll pay $100 for Diablo in a week. Perfect. That seems like a good use of my gaming budget. Uh, but yeah, so really enjoying Diablo 3 on Switch. It's kind of like the thing I'm sitting down when I watch TV or if I'm watching a movie or if I'm uh, you know, watching Holiday Baking Championship on Food Network. I, I pull out the Switch <laughs> and I, I play some Diablo 3. So that is going really well for me as well. Man, so many games that are overlapping. Josh, is there anything else you're playing? 
No, that's it. I looked at I I mean I could talk about other games, but that's it. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Uh, just two other games I'm going to mention very briefly. Uh, I started up Shadow of the Tomb Raider on Xbox. Uh, I've wanted to play this game for a while, and I was I booted up my Xbox the other day, so I was like, I'm going to play some Red Dead. And I started playing Red Dead, and I'm like, this is just not what I want to be playing. This is not what I'm feeling. What else is my Xbox is already on? Should I play? So I Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I have played through the very just beginning part of the game. Here's what I can say about it so far. It looks pretty nice. Um, there's some weird... I'm playing with it frame rate, you know, prioritizing frame rate, but I feel like yeah. there's some weird, especially in cutscenes, that they start out a little shaky or something. Okay. Like, I don't know what exactly it is, but when the cutscenes start, like, the graphics, like, it takes them a second to, like, fully... Maybe if they're loading or something. I don't know. They just seem a little off at the beginning of every cutscene. Might be my eyes. I'm old. It could just be that. Uh, otherwise, it feels a lot like Tomb Raider, which is fun. Man, Lara's a jerk. <laughs> That's about what I can say thus far. She's really not nice and has made some really bad things happen. Uh, yeah, that's about as far as I am. But I will keep playing it. I, I enjoyed the game. I was looking for something a little more story-driven, a little more action-driven, a little more linear uh, than maybe what Red Dead was. And I think that is the game that's going to kind of take me through, probably not the end of the year, but at least for a while. Because, you know, I got those awesome Persona games coming in oh December. <laughs> Persona 3 and Persona 5, Dancing All Night. Um, and then, yeah. And then I also, uh, really quick before we jumped on tonight, played a few rounds with Ash, who's a new character that was, or the new hero that was just released for Overwatch, uh, playing some 6v6 No Limits. So it was six Ashes versus six Ashes in Arcade. Man, am I bad at her. Oh, goodness, am I really bad. Um, she's really fun to play. Her is very interesting, though, because the rate of fire is very drastically different. She can shoot from the hip or shoot um, aiming down sights, which there's not, like, any characters other than, like, Widowmaker that can really aim down the sights in Overwatch. Um, so it's very odd to have those two things, but then the rate of fire is drastically different. Uh, her abilities are pretty cool. She has a nice little um, coach gun that she can use to either push people back it does damage but she can use it to jump to higher places um she has dynamite which is cool with the dynamite because she can throw it and there's a fuse on it so she can throw it and let it sit there or if she shoots it it goes off as soon as you get shot which is pretty cool a uh, nice way to kind of you know push people out from court behind corners and then it does fire damage over time as well which isn't something you see very often uh, there's not a lot of damage over time things in overwatch so that's a cool thing as well and then bob who's her ultimate comes in and he like uppercuts people and then you can shoot him while they're in the air and then he shoots at people and if he's not shooting at anything if you wave at him he'll wave back at you which is pretty cool <laughs> uh, so lots of important things that i discovered while i was playing tonight but she's a pretty cool character always excited that and happy that they are adding more things to overwatch to keep me invested and not that i'm good and i'm prefacing that very clearly that i recognize i'm not good i have reached my highest sr ranking ever in overwatch over the last nice week, so i'm pretty stoked about that Slowly climbing the ladder, becoming less and less of a scrub every day. I didn't realize she was. I didn't realize she was available already. Yeah, she came. The patch came out today. Oh, nice. So it was a really quick. She got announced at BlizzCon, and then it was actually she was only on the PTR for a week, um, and then they released her. So the PTR ended yesterday, which was Monday because we record on Tuesdays. Um, usually it's a two-week PTR, but it was only a one-week PTR. So very unusual for them. But I'm pretty happy to be able to jump in and have a, little, a new character in there. Awesome. So that is all the things that we have been playing, Josh. Let's jump in to the topic of the show. Let's do it. So 
it's not uncommon for us to make predictions about the big board game awards. You know, nominees are announced, we make some decisions based on very little information about who we think is going to win, and pretty regularly we get them wrong. That's kind of what we do, and we're pretty great at it, which means we're pretty bad at it. But it's a lot of fun. So today, Jeff Keighley announced the nominees for the Game Awards. It only seems right that we put our irrefutable knowledge to the test one more time, and we are going to go through and make some predictions for the 2018 Game Awards. Now, some important things to note about our predictions. Number one, we are not going to do every category because there's a lot of them. We are going to do basically every category that involves a game, though. So we're not doing any of the esports things. We're not doing any of the content creator things. We're not doing what was the best moment from the 2017 Game Awards category. We're only going to look at the games. Um, we'll go through these relatively quickly, but also know we are going to run a contest. Because we love contests. So make sure you listen at the very end of us going through all this to find out how you can be entered to win a prize. We haven't decided what that prize is yet, but it's going <laughs> to be a cool prize. And as we go through this, maybe we'll think of what that prize is going to be. But you can be entered to win a prize. So uh, without further ado, we are going to start with Josh. The first category, best, if I can get this website to load for me here really quick. Best debut indie game. So I thought this was an interesting category, mostly because, you know, they have best indie game, but then they also have best debut indie game. So I thought it was kind of like, well, that seems kind of odd. But when you listen to the category, the games in this category, it's actually a pretty impressive list. The nominees are Donut County, Florence, Moss, The Messenger, and Yoku's Island Express. So with those nominees, Josh, and I know you're keeping track of how of what we each pick, what mm -hmm. are you going to pick as best debut indie game? So I've heard great things about almost all of them. I haven't heard of Florence. I'll have to look, look that up. But um, to be fair, I would have to pick Donut County because it's the only game I have played. I know you're really high on Moss, and I've heard great things about the messenger um but in this situation instead of trying to predict a winner i'm gonna do it like how if you're a voter how you have to vote you can only vote for things you have seen or played mm -hmm. so i will vote for donut county <laughs> excellent that sounds great and i'm also going to vote for <laughs> excuse me i'm going to vote for the, the thing that i want to win uh, in this category i've played three of the five games i have not played the messenger though i've heard great things and I've not played Yoku's Island Express, but who doesn't love a Dung Beetle pinball game? That seems great. Um, I have played Moss, Florence, and Donut County. Um, Florence is excellent. You should definitely check it out. Really, really great game uh, on the phone. Um, but I am going to vote for Moss. I absolutely adored that game on PSVR when I, where I played it. And I thought it was pretty excellent. So I am voting for Moss as I patiently await the announcement for Moss 2. So the next category we're actually going to skip because the next category is best student game. And I don't know anything about any of these games, I don't believe. Do you recognize or know anything about any of the student games? Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. That's what I thought. So that is the only game category we're going to skip. Otherwise, we will move right on then to best multiplayer game. And the nominees here, a whole bunch of big hitters. Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Destiny 2 Forsaken, Fortnite, Monster Hunter World, and maybe a bit of a surprise, Sea of Thieves. 
So, Josh, when you look at that list, what for you, sir, would you pick as your best multiplayer game? Well, I'm pretty sure Fortnite's going to win. Um, when it comes down between Destiny 2 and Black Ops 4, you know, I don't know that I necessarily consider Destiny 2 a multiplayer game because I don't play it that way. That doesn't mean it isn't one, but um, I typically play it as a solo game. But I think if it came down to between that and Black Ops, I think Destiny 2 is a better experience and more varied. So I would have to say Destiny 2 for me. Excellent. Uh, have you played everything but Monster Hunter World, or did you play Monster Hunter World? I We have Monster Hunter World. Um, I have only played a little bit of it. Right. And I and I know we have it. I have never played it, but I have played yeah. uh, four of the others on here, uh, the other four games on here. And I, like you, am in the same boat. I've really enjoyed my time with Call of Duty Black Ops 4 thus far. But, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. But if I had to pick a game that I was going to pick, if I had to pick a game I was going to pick, if I had to pick a game, um, I would also pick Destiny 2 Forsaken. Like you, I think Fortnite's probably going to win this category. But Destiny 2 Forsaken, much for what you, what you said, the variety, just the feel of the game and the gameplay um, is the game that I would pick for my best multiplayer game from those nominees. All right. So the next game on the list, or the next category in the list, best sports slash racing game. And the nominees are... FIFA 19, Forza Horizon 4, Mario Tennis Aces, NBA 2K19, and Pro Evolution Soccer 2019. So quite the list. I think it's a little interesting that they call it the sports slash racing category. And there's only one racing game. Yeah. <laughs> but what say you when you look at this list, sir? What would you vote for? I mean, we all know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but it's, it's clearly... Forza Horizon 4. Um, I can't believe they didn't nominate Madden. I'm very surprised Madden is not on this list as well. But yeah, it's got to be Forza for me. No question. And I have limited experience with most of these games, but if I was going to pick one, I would also actually pick Forza Horizon 4. I think if you just look at even what the community say about those games, I feel like you know, Forza is really the game that seems to continue to build upon itself. And yeah, some might say that Horizon 3 is better or something like that. But I think for the most part, you know, the community overall is very, very happy with that game. And it seems to be quite the success uh, from the folks there over at Playground Games. So I would also vote, vote Forza Horizon 4. All right, on to the next category, best strategy game. Category of games that are not something I usually really enjoy, but hey, that doesn't mean I'm not going to give you my opinion on them. Uh, the nominees are The Banner Saga 3, Battletech, Frostpunk, Into the Breach, and Valkyria Chronicles 4. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on the best strategy game? So, um, there's only one game in there I've spent any time with. Although I did try Banner Saga 1, uh, just didn't sink its teeth into me or hooks into me like everyone else. Um, mm. um, but I did play the demo for Valkyria Chronicles 4, and I actually really enjoyed what I played. It reminded me of um, like old school PS1 or like SNES games, like uh, strategy games I used to play. Um, and I liked that you're getting like a you're taking control of a person when they're firing, you know, just, it has that tactics based, um, 
movement system to it, but you're not just moving a figure and then watching it do its action. You're, you know, participating in the action. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pick Valkyria Chronicles 4 for my pick. Awesome. And you know what? Hey, we're on the same page again, because I also would pick Valkyria Chronicles 4 a lot because I really, I love the art style of Valkyria Chronicles. I think they're very beautiful games. I like the the what <clears throat> the um, painted style that the games look in almost i really appreciate that about them so i would definitely pick valkyria chronicles 4 i feel like into the breach is going to win this category yeah uh, that game has definitely has the hype and not that it's not a good game but i definitely feel like that one is going to take the category without much trouble but i would vote for valkyria chronicles 4 all right next category also known as the Nintendo category, uh, <laughs> best family game. The nominees are Mario Tennis Aces, Nintendo Labo, Overcooked, <laughs> <laughs> Overcooked 2, Starlink, Battle for Atlas, and Super Mario Party. Josh, sir, what is your vote? Okay, so I'm stupid for not picking super mario party but i'm sticking to my played it roots and while uh, i will be getting that super mario party bundle they just announced that comes with two joy cons uh, i haven't played it yet uh i've been hearing uh good things and great things so uh, i am voting for overcooked too <laughs> <laughs> so there's a i'm I don't know if I should be surprised. I'm kind of surprised that Labo is on here just because I don't feel like, and I know I'm not totally on the pulse of Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo community, but I don't feel like I've heard all that much about Labo since it was released. Like I know obviously a new pack was announced and all those other things, but I'm kind of surprised that that's on here. Um, but I, like you, would also vote for Overcooked 2. Um, I've played uh, Mario Tennis Aces. I didn't really like it all that much. Uh, I heard great things about Star Lake Battle for Atlas. Um, and yes, I know when I said this was a Nintendo category, people are like, oh, that's on everything. But I feel like <laughs> probably should really only play it on Nintendo um, because of the Star Fox uh, DLC that's there. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely vote for Overcooked 2. It is an exceptional game. Um, I have yet to try to four-star everything, but I definitely have three stars and everything. And I think I might just be happy with that. <laughs> All right. So the next category... The gaming category I wish more than anything I was good at, but I'm just not. And that is Best Fighting Game. The nominees are Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle, Dragon Ball Fighters, Soul Calibur 6, and Street Fighter V Arcade. Josh, what say you, good sir? So, same as the previous category, uh, Soul Calibur 6 is very, very high on my want list, and it is on sale on Black Friday. So hopefully I can snag that. Uh, even better if I can snag it digitally uh, at that price. Um, I can't wait to play it, but uh, Street Fighter V Arcade uh, is a fantastic game now. <laughs> Street Fighter V was not a fantastic game, um, but I'm going to pick Street Fighter V or SFV for the cool kids um, arcade. And you know what? They they learned a lot. Um, they put out a lot of content under that banner that people like me had to pay for for the original one. But uh, typical Street Fighter form, um, you know, instead of Super, they put Arcade Edition on it, but it might as well just be called Super Street Fighter Five because 
that's what Capcom do. <laughs> that is what Capcom do. Uh, I want to break a little bit from the usual, like, what have you played to vote for something for this one? Because I think, and I probably would even vote for it, even though I haven't played it, but I think Dragon Ball Fighters seems like the game that is kind of the fighting game that's really broken through this year. It seems to be, you know, from Evo to the one that people are just talking about, it seems to be the one that is on everyone's mind uh, when people are talking about fighting games this year, similar to how Injustice kind of broke through last year. Um, I think Dragon Ball Fighters is kind of be the one to take it. And because I have actually never played any of these games, I played Street Fighter V like way back when it first released, but I haven't played it at all since. And like you still call it, or six is high on my list of things I want to play. I'm just going to go ahead and pick Dragon Ball Fighters. I think that is the one that is going to take it. All right. So the next category, getting to things that we have played more and more of the games, or at least <laughs> some of us have. Uh, best role-playing game. The nominees are Dragon Quest Eleven, Echoes of an Elusive Age, Monster Hunter World, Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom, Octopath Traveler, and Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire. Josh, what do you think is going to be, or what would you vote for, for the best RPG of 2018? It would be really cool if Pillars of Eternity won uh, for Microsoft. That would be cool, because <laughs> people would pay a little bit more attention. Um, this is a category where I've only played Monster Hunter World, um, but not, and I played the demo of Octopath Traveler, but not enough to really give like a clear vote for. Um, so I don't think Kalo listens to our podcast, but I'm going to vote for the game I want to play in this category. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the art for Dragon Quest Eleven and what that game looks like. Uh, if it, if it plays nearly as awesome as it looks, that game is is something I need to play. So I'm going to vote for Dragon Quest. Well, much like you are looking for a deal on Soul Calibur VI for Black Friday, I am looking for a deal on Dragon Quest XI, hopefully digitally, so we'll take care of that for you. <laughs> um, for me, I've played, you know, put a little bit of time into a few games on this list. And what I'm actually going to vote for is probably the game that's not going to win, but it's the game that's closest to my heart and the game that I really enjoy. And I'm going to go ahead and vote for Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom. I really enjoy this game. I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's something that I, I love the art style. I think just the pure like goodness they're going for in the story of like un, un, just pure like I want to create a kingdom where everyone's nice to each other. Like just that <laughs> gen- that like thing is just so something that makes me happy in today's day and age. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom because that game Man, that game's been a lot of fun. I, I really have enjoyed my time with it, that's for sure. All right, moving on. Getting to the meatiness now. Best action-adventure game. The nominees on this list. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Marvel's Spider-Man, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Josh, this is a pretty pretty big category here. Uh, I think we've both played all the games on this in this category. That's crazy. Uh, what say you? What what would you vote for for action adventure game of the year? It's actually harder than I thought it would be. Um, if I'm going to be honest, it's really between Spider Man and God of War, uh, and I have to try to put into context the category. So best action adventure game, and I think for me, it's got to be Spider Man, and I'm surprised to say that. Okay. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Marvel Spider-Man is my answer. Awesome. 
you're right. It is a stacked category. It is a really, really good list of games. And the more I've been turning this over as I've started to think about putting together a, a five favorite games of the list, you know, games that are on this are games that I'm regularly going through. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to, you know, get Shadow of the Tomb Raider played. Um, if I had to vote today, though, the best action adventure game, when I think about going on an adventure, uh, I think for me, it's going to be God of War. I think mm-hmm. that is the game that I most felt like I was going on an adventure. Um, I love the action in that game. And while the combat in Spider-Man is great, I really like the action and the combat in God of War as far as throwing that Leviathan axe is just so satisfying. Um, and it's actually a game I'm thinking about going back to and playing a little bit more here. Uh, before I do my top five games of the year, top 10 games of the year, whatever we decide to do, um, just to make sure I have it fresh in my mind and I'm not just looking either A, looking back at on rose-colored glasses, or B, not remembering how much I enjoyed it. So that is my pick, God of War. It's funny you say that because you you took the adventure route and I took the action route in that. So if it was just like best adventure game, yep. yeah, God of War clearly would have been my choice. Absolutely. So, and the reason I went the adventure route is because the next category, best action game. <laughs> Which is, I don't know why they have this category separate from that. I know. Uh, yeah, it's the best game in the action genre focused on combat. Uh, so the nominees are Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Dead Cells, Destiny 2 Forsaken, Far Cry 5, and Mega Man 11. Josh, your thoughts. I, you know, I want to say Dead Cells, but it's not an action game in my head for some reason. So it's Far Cry 5 for sure. Like Far Cry 5, I know that you we, you and I see differently on that game, but Far Cry 5 really set the tone for my year in gaming. Like Far Cry 5, not, not the tone, maybe not, it's not the word. It set the, whatever. It's, it, 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 uh, it's one of my favorite games I have ever played, and it's one of my favorite games of this year. Um, and we just don't see eye to eye on this one. I know that, but uh, yeah, for it, it's it's a game that I could probably pick up right now and play for hours um, because I still enjoy it that much. And um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, like. Call of Duty Black Ops 4, it can't be the best action game because there's no story. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course, but <laughs> it's maybe the best multiplayer game. Um, Destiny 2 would be close, is close for me. Mega Man 11, uh, I wish I p- want to play that, but, you know, uh, after all these retro things, it, it's reminded me that I don't love Mega Man the way I used to love it as a kid. I don't enjoy increasingly terribly difficult games, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what Mega Man is. Um, so I'm going to stop rambling about back. I feel like I, from, you guys can't see Kyle's reaction, but when I said Far Cry 5, I immediately felt like I had to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you'd say that. Just because I looked at you begrudgingly. I don't know why you think you'd have to defend your choice. Uh, yeah. So my choice in this category is easily Dead Cells. Uh, Dead Cells is a game that I thought looked cool, but I never expected to enjoy as much as I did. It's a game I was sunk far more hours into than I ever anticipated that I would and gave me a ton of joy. And I thought the combat in it was great. And the roguelite nature of it was something that I found engaging and fun. Um, And yeah, you're right. You know, Far Cry 5 was a game I played and a game I finished because I promised you I would. And I don't (laughs) enjoy it as much as you do, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad that you like it and I'm glad that you enjoy it. So um, my vote though for best action game most definitely would be dead cells it's a great pick 
<laughs> I really so, do enjoy Dead Cells. Yeah. Well, you know, Far Cry 5 is a fine pick, too. Uh, so, yeah. Next category. Uh, best VR slash AR game. I don't know if you're going to be able to vote for this, but I'd be curious to what you would say. Um, the nominees are Astrobot Rescue Mission, Beat Saber, Firewall Zero Hour, Moss, and Tetris Effect. I'll say this. Every game on this list makes me want to get a PSVR. Yeah. Uh, it really, they, they really do. And I know there's a PSVR bundle where I can get two of those games in it. Uh, for $200 on Black Friday. Is that what it is on Black Friday? Yeah, it's going to be $199.99 for the Astrobot Moss bundle. You know what the problem is, though? Anything I spend on Black Friday takes away from PAX Unplugged budget. That's true. So I can't do it as much as I want to. Maybe if it's on sale again at Christmas time. Uh, so I'm going to take my vote. It's going to be based off of our conversations on this podcast from you. And I'm going to vote for Astrobot. That sounds great. Astrobot's an excellent pick. Um, so here's the w- thing about this. Number one, all these games uh, are available on PSVR other than Beat Saber comes out November 20th. So Beat Saber hasn't been released on PSVR yet. Um, I have all of these games. I haven't pre-ordered Beat Saber, but I'm planning on getting it day one. I have Tetris Effect, but haven't been able to play it yet. Uh, but I own all of these games. So I guess that probably tells you something. If I had to pick one today, though I yeah. have... I don't. You have to pick one. Have to pick one. <laughs> Obviously, I adore Moss, but for what I have played so far, I would definitely pick Astrobot Rescue Mission because that game right now is fighting for a, a high spot in my top five games of the year. But I suspect, from what I have heard, Tetris Effect could make a very strong argument for itself, and I also feel like Beat Saber could as well. So, um, you know, I'm glad I don't have to make my top five list for the end of the year at this point. But if I'm going to vote for a Game Awards game, I would definitely vote for Astrobot Rescue Mission. Because darn it, that game isn't wonderful. Fair enough. All right. And one sec here. The category, the whole website is frozen. <laughs> That's the one thing that I will say is really interesting about this Game Awards site. It loads really slowly. Yeah. It, it, it is definitely a bit of a resource hog. So we'll see if this is going to load. and let I me... got it up if you want. We can hey, go. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you continue on? Take us home from here. All right, let's go. Best mobile game. We have Donut County, Florence, Fortnite, PUBG Mobile, and Reigns Game of Thrones, which just came out. <laughs> Those are our nominees. What do you think, Kyle? I'm going to go ahead and vote for Florence because Florence was a game that I had heard good things about. Um, you know, it was like three bucks or something like that and surprised me a ton about how great it was. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Florence. Well, that's good. I'm going to have to play this game now that it's been getting all these nominees nominations. Um, I vote Marvel Strike Force. Is that Was that an option? No? Okay. Um, that would be the one I picked. That's what I spend the most time with. Uh, Fortnite, uh, I would pick because of how well they did with the mobile version of that game. Um, I played that a lot, so I enjoyed that. Next category, this is one of the small big ones, if that makes sense. Best Independent Game. So the nominees for Best Independent Game are Celeste, Dead Cells, Into the Breach, Return of the Obra Dinn and The Messenger. Kyle, what are you thinking? I'm going to have to go ahead and vote for Celeste. Uh, definitely a game that, again, I was surprised by. Heard good things about, decided to jump in. Had an 
excellent, wonderful time with it. And so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick Celeste for best independent game. Boo. <laughs> the game is too hard. <laughs> uh, I'm picking Dead Cells, if that is surprising to you at all. <laughs> the next category is Games for Impact, uh, described as for a thought-provoking game with a profound pro-social meaning or message, uh, which is an interesting uh, category to have, I guess. Uh, and then we look at the nominees. We have 1111 Memories Retold, Celeste, Florence, and Life, uh, sorry, Life is Strange 2, Episode 1, and The Missing, J.J. McField and the Island of Memories. So I find it interesting that Life is Strange 2, just Episode 1, because the other episodes haven't been it. Review, like released yet is nominated i don't think it's bad i just think it's interesting uh and for this i would uh i'm gonna go back and i would vote for florence again uh okay interesting i definitely have to play this game um i vote for celeste uh, i do actually enjoy the story of celeste and there's um uh, definitely something to be taken from what your what your character is going through so um while i think the game is brutally punishing i will say has a good story behind it (laughs) next category is best performance best performance for individual uh voiceover action acting motion and or performance capture so we have brian deckhart who is connor in detroit become human we have the incredible christopher judge from stargate fame as kratos god of war we have Melisanthi Mahut as Cassandra from Assassin's Creed Odyssey. We have Roger Clark as Arthur Morgan. And if you look at a picture of Roger Clark, he looks 30 to 40 years younger than the voice he is. <laughs> yeah, and Yuri Lowenthal as Peter Parker in Marvel's Spider-Man. Kyle, this is a big one. It is. Um, and I'm actually going to go... Uh, I'm going to vote for Yuri Lowenthal as Spider-Man or slash Peter Parker, because I think it's very impressive that he was able to take a character that has been done so many times and make him his own and make him believable and make him a Peter Parker and a Spider-Man that I could relate to. And I thought was good. Like I really enjoyed his performance as a character who I've heard done in a ton of different ways by a ton of different people. And I thought he knocked it out of the park. And I 100% agree with you. I also pick Yuri. Um, because as you said it, he literally knocked it out of the park. Not literally. He figuratively knocked it out of the park. He did a great job. Uh, this one, uh, if you can believe this or not, is presented by Dolby. This is best audio design presented by Dolby. <laughs> that is the category title as well. Uh, we have Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Forza Horizon 4, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Kyle. So I haven't played enough Forza to be able to adequately tell whether that should be, you know, should win this category. So if people are like, oh, it's clear, blah, blah, blah. I apologize. I haven't played enough Forza. I would say, though, that for me, I'm going to go ahead and pick God of War. Uh, I, I think the sound design in that game is pretty impeccable. The way, the crunchiness, the weight of everything, how combat sounds, how the act sounds, how everything in that world and, and how the audio cues work for everything in it, I think is pretty pretty special. So I'm going to go ahead and pick God of War. 
So uh, for me, I think God of War is incredible, but I'm going to pick Forza Horizon 4 because of the technical achievement of the game. Um, the, every car sounds different. Um, the roads sound different. Where, you know, all the roads, everything is just technically Im- Im- impressive. So uh, for that, I have to go with Forza Horizon 4 for yeah. audio design. I, I can see that. Like I said, I just haven't played enough of it, but that would not surprise me at all based off of everything people have said about the game. Gotcha. Oh, well, this next category is presented by Spotify. This category is Best Score Slash Music Presented by Spotify. Our nominees are Celeste, God of War, Marvel, Spider-Man, Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom, Octopath Traveler, and Red Dead Redemption 2. So I feel like Octopath Traveler is going to win this. Hmm. Um, but I'm going to pick, I actually listened to this soundtrack on Spotify many, many days of the week at work. And that is the God of War soundtrack by that Bear McCreary put together. That thing is epic. And if I need to get some work done, put that on. just get in my zone and just bust out some stuff so i i'm gonna vote for a god of war i feel like though that octopath traveler is gonna win this well before we play gloomhaven my friend will put on the video game channel on spotify um not a sponsor and very often this soundtrack will come on that is incredible and when you look up at the tv to see what it is when you have to look up it's God of War. That is my pick. It is incredible. They did such a great job. Uh, best Art Direction. We have Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Octopath Traveler, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Return of the Obra Jin. Din. Ooh, Obra Din. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to vote for Octopath Traveler for this one. Uh, it won me over. I didn't really, I know when they first showed that game, everyone was like in love with the way that game looked. And I actually didn't think it was all that great. Uh, but then after playing it, I, I think that they really, they go with an art direction and that's not realistic. And most of the other games are going other than Obergen are going for something more real. Um, and, but Acropath takes his art direction and really leans into it and does an, a phenomenal job with it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and vote for Octopath. Very cool. I am voting for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, actually. Uh, It's just a stunning, beautiful-looking game. And, um, you know, everything that you look at, you like when you stop and think someone designed this world, uh, it's just like an incredible feat from everything you can access from when you start in this world and how it all seamlessly works together. And taking that falcon and just... Going around really shows you how much work was put into the art direction for that game. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great one. Uh, best narrative. So this is for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in the game. We have Detroit Become Human, God of War, Life is Strange 2, Episode 1, Marvel Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2. <coughs> excuse me. you, Coffee. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it's, for me, it's still easily for me, it's God of War. I think that the number and the complexity of the story they told and how many small things that they laid throughout that story that were leading you down that path um, when you go back and, and reflect on it afterwards is is incredible. Um, so for me, uh, without a doubt, it's God of War. And uh, while I think um, God of War's narrative was incredible right? and it got better and better as you played, I, I got to pick the game that, like, physically made me uncomfortable 
because of how well they're telling the story. And I think that's Detroit Become Human for me. Um, so I, I got to give them that. So that, that will be my pick. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they fare um, at the Game Awards. There was a, a lot of uh, games journalists who, when they saw that Detroit was nominated for Best Narrative, were making fun of it. Really? Because of the sharp soap opera turns? Uh, just they don't think that uh, Quantic Dream and David Cage are actually very good at selling stories, many of them. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on to game, best game direction. Uh, so we have a way out. Let's hope that they don't give this guy more screen time. <laughs> uh, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, and Red Dead Redemption 2. What For me, think? it all comes down to, and I know it's trite and they talked about it a lot. I shouldn't say trite because it was a very hard technical achievement. Um, single shot camera, God of War. The mm-hmm. fact that they did that entire game in a single shot like that, uh, I think in a, in a lot of ways, you know, it's awarded to a game studio for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. I mean, a way out having the mandatory co- co-op is could fit into that. But like with those games that are listed there, I oof, yeah, God of War. So mine is a little tough, tougher to decide because part of this is innovation and... <clears throat> I, I, you could make an argument that a way out is the only innovative, like newest. Like every other game is from a formula of another game. So, like what God of War. Are, what other God games of War is with a single shot camera? No, besides that, but I, I, that's <laughs> besides how the whole game is presented. It's presented that way, but it's not. It's not made like it's made to look that way. But that's not, they didn't actually do it with a single shot camera. They made it look like it was shot with a single shot camera. I'm not dismissing that as not being innovative, but it has. Uh, it's coming from something. God of War is still very much a God of War game. Yeah, you know, and Quant and Detroit Become Human is still very much a Quantic Dream game. Uh, a way out is new it's new to the landscape i'm not saying it's uh what i would be in red dead redemption 2 you could argue that it really still follows red dead redemption um and i and i definitely agree with you on your god of war thing and my argument isn't even going to support my pick because i'm picking spider-man because they took a formula that does exist but they gave it to people they 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 it's to a whole new audience of people and I would say it's innovative in its storytelling compared to some of the other games like the Batman series, mm-hmm. um, where it does borrow a lot from. Um, the God of War thing is incredible, and I'm not trying to undersell that. I couldn't pick a way out because, one, I didn't play it, and two, I didn't hear it was very good. Like People were not having fun playing it with each other. We could play it. We could. We do have it, right, technically? <laughs> uh Next category is best ongoing game. I'll let you guess what I'm going to vote for this one. <laughs> uh, what you're going to vote for it. Uh, I think you're going to vote Fortnite, right? <laughs> right. You know, you know me so well. Uh, okay, so Kyle picks Overwatch. I do. That, that isn't surprising. Uh, the nominees are Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, No Man's Sky, Fortnite, and Destiny 2. Um you know, I want to pick Destiny 2, but I don't like the way it was managed um, and the fact that we had to pay another $80 for a expansion to a game. 
So I'm still mad at them for that. And apparently Activision doesn't think that's enough money. Um, so I'm also uh, picking Overwatch because you can't deny Overwatch's formula. You can't deny it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they make for money, but they got to make something because it's staying afloat and they keep giving it new content. So, I mean, good on them and good for all of us. We all win in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big category, game of the year. The last category for people listening you're welcome. It's the end. <laughs> Kyle, I'm going to list these nominees, starting with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Celeste, which is making a huge dent into the best to the game of the year category. Uh, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. So I am need to acknowledge the fact that we haven't voted for Red Dead Redemption 2 for anything yet. And, just came out. And probably, right, it just came <laughs> out. We haven't played enough of it. But I feel like probably almost every category that it's in, it could easily win. Mm-hmm. So I recognize that 100%. And more than likely, it is going to win this category. For me, right after Spider-Man came out, I was like, man, maybe God of War isn't my game of the year. But the more I think about it, the more God of War is just my hands down my game of the year. So that is that is what my pick is. I'm not someone who's going to... You know, give an award to one category so a game can win, and then I'm going to give it a different one in a different category. Like, if it was the best action adventure game, <laughs> probably, you know, if it didn't win that, how could it win in this? So, uh, yeah, God of War, my game of the year, if I had to do vote you, today. I was going to say, uh, is game, do you think that God of War is your personal game of the year, or you just think it's the one you pick for this category? Right now, if I, had to, if I was making my list right now, it would be my game of the year, yes. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Uh, My pick is God of War. Um, It's not necessarily going to be my game of the year. uh, And and it really came down to God of War and Spider-Man. I don't know that it's fair for me to judge DLC into game of the year. I wouldn't say that Black Cat pushed Spider-Man over God of War necessarily, but I'm also going to get another DLC before the year's over. Two. Two more. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I mean, God of War as a whole is, you hit it, it's technically, it's narratively, it's everything together better than probably any game I played this year, probably. Yeah. But it's my pick for this category. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's something pretty cool, that is for sure. All right, listeners, so thanks for bearing with us as we went through all of those. I'll be not going to lie, that took a little longer than I anticipated that it would. <laughs> but hey, do you want a prize? We want you to win a prize. So we would like you submit who you think will win Game of the Year from the six nominees. Again, those nominees, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, and Red Dead Redemption 2. We want to know who you think is going to win. Send that to boardwithvg at gmail.com. And we will pick a winner from all those who submit. You don't need to guess right. You just have to submit a guess. Because I think it's really interesting. I want to see who people think are going to win more than anything. As long as you submit an answer before the Game Awards go live. So we have to have those picks by 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, December 6th. So just send an email, boardwithvg at gmail.com. Let us know of the six nominees who you think will win. AC Odyssey, Celeste, God of War. Marvel Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, Red Dead Redemption 2 by Thursday, December 6th at 8.30 Eastern Time, and you'll be entered to win. You know what? I want to say you're going to be entered to win a video game. Well, we'll do that. 
we'll have you pick. We'll, we'll let you pick a video game. So, well, now so, let him pick. We'll pick a game. Well, <laughs> we will in conversation with you decide what game you're going to win. Uh, uh, so, we will announce the winner on the show the following week because obviously the game awards go live. That's a Thursday. So, the following Thursday, um, you will find out whether or not you won, and we will get in contact to discuss your game of choice, possibly, uh, and we'll get, hook you up with a video game. I know we're running a little long, but really, really briefly, Josh, I wanted to talk about XO18. Uh, I know that they talked about it in depth on the previous on the previous PSVG podcast to this one. But really quick, sir, I just want to know what your thoughts were on XO18, because I know next week, you know, we're going to be way past. This going to be super old news. So I just want to know your, th- your thoughts real quick. Uh, so XO18 was a two-hour hype conference. Uh, I thought it was very odd. I thought it was poorly run. Um, everything was semi-staged, uh, scripted, if you will. I think they really pushed too hard for all those all the fans to make a lot of noise. It was distracting uh, to the hosts, especially Phil Spencer, uh, when he was being interviewed and people are screaming over him. Um, what they showed for games, um, I was okay with, but nothing blew me away. Um, the fact that they announced PUBG for Game Pass is really more crippling to Microsoft, I think, than it is to helping them considering PUBG is now coming out on PlayStation uh, 4. Um, I guess them putting it on Game Pass, maybe they're trying to stop people because they'll have to pay for it on PS4 and people might go, I can get it for Game Pass subscription now. But they did this really weird 16-game Game Pass announcement that was basically just what they would announce in a regular Game Pass month. There wasn't anything... Uh, mind-blowing that they announced. There was a couple games I was surprised about, but they were in, at the indie level. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people had problems with how Xbox runs their um, show that they basically rebranded this as, and everything does. It feels like they're bad actors reading a script, and there's like forced dialogue and jokes like where the girl was playing Forza Horizon 4, and like she's like, looking into the camera saying how bad of a driver she is currently being like it was very <clears throat> it was too long and it was uncomfortable to watch is my as an xbox fan is my opinion on that what about you um i watched the entire thing and i'm not a huge xbox person as you know i think what it for me showed and this is not necessarily a knock on xbox it's not necessarily a knock on any gaming company specifically i think it showed the importance or how how much more efficient they could be if they did a 30 45 minute showcase with the announcements and then did a three hour long stream afterwards going in depth after the fact with all of those interviews and things like that that they did that to me from a format standpoint would have been a little bit more appealing because i could get all the news and get all the information that i wanted to get and and be hyped and you're just bombarding with announcement 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 oh my gosh hype levels through the roof woohoo and then if you wanted to get in depth on something you could stay later and listen to the 15 20 30 minute conversation with someone about you know the thing they were doing from from a, a standpoint you know and kind of like almost nintendo does for like their e3s where they have like the the direct, and then they have the treehouse afterwards, where they go really super in depth. Um, I think a format like that would have, would be a little bit better moving forward. But 
you know, they they announced some cool things, and I think unfortunately for them, some of the cool things they announced um, got drawn out by the length of the conference. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's some cool stuff. You know, I'll, I'll potentially play Crackdown again, so that's cool. Um, yeah, so overall, not too bad. Just a, a little long in the tooth, I think, for what it could have been, and um, maybe they should. And Sony too uh, could take some cues from Nintendo uh, about yeah. how to do these things better. So or Blizzard or Blizzard, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't the opening end up, was incredible. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't end <laughs> a mobile game, but you know, whatever. Yes, not. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was excited for it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't. I don't think it's as horrible. It maybe wasn't the right place to announce it, or yeah. they could have done what Bethesda did when Bethesda announced. Uh, Elder Scrolls Blades, and they said, "Oh, but we're also working on Elder Scrolls Six. Here's like a little yeah. piece of key art." They would have done something like that. I think it might have been a little more okay. But anyway, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> All right, Josh, why don't you hit us up? I know we have one email this week or question this week. Why don't you hit us with it, sir? You got it. We have from a loyal listener, Paul Calico P Calico eighty four on Twitter. <clears throat> Pardon me. He says, "I'm sad, guys. How are y'all feeling?" Hashtag Stanley forever. And have y'all gotten any more updates on Fireball Island? I'm still waiting. So he is obviously referring to the passing of Stanley, passed at 95 years old. Uh, just the other day, um, it for me, I don't know. It's sad, but he lived a full life. He he's been having some health issues, and he was also having some family issues. So I think for Stan, this is good. He left behind an incredible legacy. And um, rest in peace. I hope he's happy and resting wherever he is. Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a it's definitely a bummer. You know, anytime someone who has created works that impact your life is always sad when when they move on and, and when they, you know, in this case, you know, move on permanently. Uh, but you know, kind of be be glad for the moments that you have, and and you can still have the experiences that. He is created for you moving forward, which is a cool thing about creators, you know, that um, their legacy lives on and, and how you think about them and the, and the way that you experience their works can continue to evolve and, and you can continue to create a deeper meaning and understanding of them. So, yeah, it's definitely sad. You know, anytime someone like, you know, that is important to you passes away and, and best wishes to, you know, like you said, his his family situation has been a little weird legally lately and he's definitely had some health troubles, um, but, you know, Rest in peace and, and thanks for everything, man. Um, yeah. How about those Fireball Island updates? How yeah. are you covered that? Huh? Yeah, we are that. <laughs> that email every day. I, well, multiple times a day. I check. See, I got a new Gmail. Did I did I get a, a shipping notification? Not yet. Okay. Now, and Kevin wants us to do a shopping guide. So that was our other question, quotes in question. And we also alluded to that at the beginning of the title. So yeah. that's our questions. Yeah, absolutely. So shopping guide coming soon. So with that, while we're clearly a gaming podcast, we want to give you a recommendation, suggestion, thing we're into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Um, typically, this isn't going to be something game-related, but just something we've been enjoying lately that has been giving our life a little bit of meaning. So Josh, what would you like to share as your recommendation for a well-rounded life? So you can relate to this one, and I think someone else can too. Uh if you have like social media, if you have like Twitter, um, Facebook, things like this, Instagram, uh, enter a contest. Go to Amazon giveaways. Uh, a lot of people don't know that's a thing. Just go into Amazon, type in Amazon giveaways, spend an hour of your life clicking on things and watching 30-second videos. You might win something. My wife won a, a pet gate for outside. I didn't know. Um 
Kyle just won a game from Renegade Games, Arboretum. Uh, I have I won Grim Forest uh, through Jen Kant, and Paul Calico won a copy of Renegade uh, Renegade <laughs> of Guardians. Uh, what do you know? Uh, enter a contest because you never know how many or how few people will enter to win. Uh, guys, we do contests a lot more than a lot of podcasts I listen to. Um, I don't know if people just were were scared of guessing how many times we said Guardians. You could have just put out a number. Kevin Austin did. He was way off. <laughs> <laughs> but he still put in an answer. Uh, we got probably – we got – way more for our meta fall contest than we did for our guardians contest. So that's on you guys, Paul, I already have your address cause you already won a game from us. So I don't even need you to get in touch with me. I'm going to send you out a copy of guardians shortly. So you should be getting it. Assuming I can find it online. If not, I'll get it from my local FLGS. But I'll send you an email. Uh, congratulations and from two guys who enjoy guardians quite a bit uh we yeah, hope you enjoy it absolutely mm. we're gonna be we're gonna be the paul calico's personal game delivery i mean so. hey we gotta reward our listeners absolutely <laughs> so congratulations paul just out of curiosity josh how many times did we say guardians in that episode i'm not gonna tell you a number because i don't want um people scrutinizing us okay because <laughs> if i if if kevin thinks he said it right and i said it wrong or Paul thinks that, you know, whatever the case is, you got the numbers. Paul's the winner. Paul's the winner. Okay. He's the closest to the number. Perfect. All right. No one nailed the actual number. Excellent. All right. Well, my recommendation for a well-rounded life last week, I I guess it would have been last week, but even though it was two weeks ago that recorded it, uh, I recommended a documentary. I'm going to stay on the documentary train. Uh, this time I'm going to recommend the documentary. It's called Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. I watched this movie a couple of years ago uh, while it was on Netflix. It no longer is on Netflix, but it is on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, um, you can check it out there as part of their streaming service. I think you can probably rent it on Amazon, I would assume. It's free on Amazon. Oh, it's on free on Amazon? Well, with Prime. Prime. With there Prime. you go. Also on Amazon Prime. So not on Netflix, but if you have Hulu or Amazon Prime, you can check out Dear Zachary, A Letter to a Son About His Father. Very powerful documentary. Um, basic premise is a friend, uh, someone learns that their very good friend has passed away. Um, and at the same time, learns that uh, the significant other of that friend is pregnant. Um, so decides that they want to kind of create a little bit of a tribute um, and, and talk to some folks about um, their friend so that the son um, has something to know so that the son can know a little bit about the, the father who he'll never be able to meet. So that's the general premise of the documentary. Um, highly recommend you check it out. It's very, very interesting. Um, and maybe take some turns that you would not expect it to take. So that's again, Dear Zachary, a letter to a son about his father. Josh, this has been an extra super long episode. I think it's because we missed each other so much because we haven't talked in weeks. <laughs> what yeah. do you say that we wrap this up? What a great idea. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Remember, you can find us on social media at Board with VG. Use that hashtag, hashtag Board with VG. Uh, we appreciate it. We, you know who you are. We have a lot of people who use that hashtag. It's nice to see what you guys are up to out in the wild. Uh, Facebook.com slash Board with VG. And of course, 
that empty inbox that is boardwithvg at gmail.com. Uh, we have some plugs for me. Nah, why so serious? S-I-R-R-I-U-S. I'm on all the things, so pop it in something, see if I come up. Kyle, where can they find you? Well, you can find me at all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. If you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. We've picked a couple of those recently. We'll be picking one, obviously, in the future with our game guide. Uh, So, you know, we listen to what you suggest because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Thank you.